Chapter 41 of The Way of Perfection by St. Teresa of Avila. This is a Discerning Hearts recording read by Chris McGregor. The Way of Perfection by St. Teresa of Avila. Translated and edited by E. Allison Pierce. How I have enlarged on this subject, yet I have not said as much about it as I should like, for it is a delightful thing to talk about this love of God. What, then, must it be to possess it? May the Lord, for his own sake, give it me. May I not depart from this life till there is nothing in it that I desire, till I have forgotten what it is to love anything but thee, until I deny the name of love to any other kind of affection, for all love is false, but love of thee. And unless the foundations of a building are true, the building itself will not endure. I do not know why it surprises us to hear people say, so-and-so has made me a poor return for something. Someone else does not like me. I laugh to myself when I hear that. What other sort of return do you expect him to make you? And why do you expect anyone to like you? These things will show you what the world is. Your love itself becomes your punishment, and the reason why you are so upset about it is that your will strongly resents your involving it in such childish pastimes. Let us now come to the fear of God. Though I am sorry not to say a little bit about this worldly love, which for my sins I know well and should like to acquaint you with so that you may free yourself from it forever but I am straying from my subject and shall have to pass on. This fear of God is another thing with which those who possess it and those who have to do with them are very familiar. But I should like you to realize that at first it is not very deep, save in a few people to whom, as I have said, the Lord grants such great favors as to make them rich in virtues and to raise them in a very short time to great heights of prayer. It is not recognizable, therefore, at first in everyone. As it increases, it grows stronger each day. And then, of course, it can be recognized. For those who possess it forsake sin and occasions of sin and bad company and other signs of it are visible in them. When at last the soul attains to contemplation, of which we are chiefly treating at the moment, its fear of God is plainly revealed and its love is not dissembled even outwardly. However narrowly we watch such persons, we shall not find them growing careless, for close as our watch on them may be, the Lord so preserves them that they would not knowingly commit one venial sin, even to further their own interests, and as for mortal sin, they fear it like fire. These are the illusions, sisters, which I should like you always to fear. Let us always beseech God that temptation may not be strong enough for us to offend him, but that he may send it to us in proportion to the strength which he gives us to conquer it. If we keep a pure conscience, we can suffer little or no harm. That is the important point. And that is the fear which I hope will never be taken from us, for it is that fear which will stand us in good stead. Oh, what a great thing it is not to have offended the Lord, so that the servants and slaves of hell may be kept under control. In the end, whether willingly or no, we shall all serve him. 
they by compulsion, and we with our whole heart, so that if we please him, they will be kept at bay and will do nothing that can harm us, however much they lead us into temptation and lay secret snares for us. Keep this in mind, for it is very important advice. So do not neglect it until you find you have such a fixed determination not to offend the Lord that you would rather lose a thousand lives and be persecuted by the whole world than commit one mortal sin, and until you are most careful not to commit venial sins. I am referring now to sins committed knowingly, as far as those of the other kind are concerned, who can fail to commit them frequently. But it is one thing to commit a sin knowingly, after long deliberation, and quite another to do it so suddenly that the knowledge of its being a venial sin and its commission are one and the same thing. And we hardly realize what we have done, although we do to some extent realize it. From any sin, however small, committed with full knowledge, may God deliver us, especially since we are sinning against so great a sovereign, and realizing that he is watching us. That seems to me to be a sin committed of malice aforethought. It is as though we were to say, Lord, although this displeases thee, I shall do it. I know that thou seest it, and I know that thou wouldest not have me do it. But though I understand this, I would rather follow my own whim and desire than thy will. If we commit a sin in this way, however slight, it seems to me that our offense is not small, but very, very great. For the love of God, sisters, never be careless about this, and glory be to the Lord, you are not so at present. If you would gain this fear of God, remember the importance of habit and of starting to realize what a serious thing it is to offend him. Do your utmost to learn this and to turn it over in your minds, for our life, and much more than our life, depends upon this virtue being firmly planted in our souls. Until you are conscious within your soul of possessing it, you need always to exercise very great care and to avoid all occasions of sin and any kind of company which will not help you to get nearer to God. Be most careful in all that you do to bend your will to it. See that all you say tends to edification. Flee from all places where there is conversation which is not pleasing to God. Much care is needed if this fear of God is to be thoroughly impressed upon the soul. Though, if one has true love, it is quickly acquired. Even when the soul has that firm inward determination which I have described, not to offend God for the sake of any creature or from fear of a thousand deaths, it may subsequently fall from time to time, for we are weak and cannot trust ourselves. And the more determined we are, the less self-confidence we should have, for confidence must come from God. But when we find ourselves in this state, we need not feel constrained or depressed, for the Lord will help us, and the habits we have formed will be of assistance to us so that we shall not offend him. We shall be able to walk in holy freedom and associate with anyone as seems right to us, even with a desolate people. These will do you no harm if you hate sin. 
Before we had this true fear of God, worldly people would have been poisonous to us and would have helped to ruin our souls. But now they will often help us to love God more and to praise him for having delivered us from what we see to be a notorious danger. And whereas for our part may previously have helped to foster their weaknesses, we shall now be helping to repress them because they will restrain themselves in our presence. And this is a compliment which they will pay us without our desiring it. I often praise the Lord, though I also wonder why it should be so, that merely by his presence and without saying a word, a servant of God should frequently prevent people from speaking against him. It may be as it is in worldly intercourse, a person is always spoken of with respect, even in his absence, before those who are known to be his friends, lest they should be offended. Since this servant of God is in a state of grace, this grace must cause him to be respected, however lowly his station, for people will not distress him in a matter about which they know him to feel so strongly as giving offense to God. I really do not know the reason for this, but I do know that it very commonly happens. Do not be too strict with yourselves then, for if your spirit begins to quell, it will do great harm to what is good in you and may sometimes lead to scrupulosity, which is a hindrance to progress both in yourselves and in others. Even if things are not as bad as this, a person, however good in herself, will not lead many souls to God if they see that she is so strict and temerarious. Human nature is such that these characteristics will frighten and oppress it and lead people to avoid the road you are taking, even if they are quite clear it is the best one. Another source of harm is this. We may judge others unfavorably, though they may be holier than ourselves, because they do not walk as we do, but in order to profit their neighbors, talk freely and without restraint. You think such people are imperfect, and if they are good, and yet at the same time of a lively disposition, you think them desolate. This is especially true of those of us who are unlearned and are not sure what we can speak without committing sin. It is a very dangerous state of mind, leading to great uneasiness and to continual temptation, because it is unfair to our neighbor. It is very wrong to think that everyone who does not follow in your own temerarious footsteps has something the matter with her. Another danger is that when it is our duty to speak and write that you should speak, you may not dare to do so lest you say too much and may perhaps speak well of things that you ought to hate. Try then, sisters, to be pleasant as you can, without offending God, and to get on as well as you can with those you have to deal with, so that they may like talking to you and want to follow your way of life and conversation, and not be frightened and put off by virtue. This is very important for nuns. The holier they are, the more sociable they should be with their sisters. Although you may be very sorry if all your sister's conversations is not just as you would like it to be, never keep aloof from them if you wish to help them and to have their love. We must try hard to be pleasant and to humor the people we deal with and make them like us, especially our sisters. 
So try, my daughters, to bear in mind that God does not pay great attention to all the trifling matters which occupy you. And do not allow these things to make your spirit quail and your courage fade. For if you do that, you may lose many blessings. As I have said, let your intention be upright and your will determined not to offend God. But do not let your soul dwell in seclusion, or instead of acquiring holiness, you will develop many imperfections, which the devil will implant in you in other ways, in which case, as I have said, you will not do the good that you might, either to yourselves or to others. You see that with these two things, love and fear of God, we can travel along this road in peace and quietness and not think at every step that we can see some pitfall and that we shall never reach our goal. Yet, we cannot be sure of reaching it. So, fear will always lead the way, and then we shall not grow careless. For as long as we live, we must never feel completely safe, or we shall be in great danger. And that was our teacher's meaning, when at the end of this prayer, he said these words to his father, knowing how necessary they were. But deliver us from evil. Amen.